When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Impactivists? I want to share something with you that I am incredibly excited about, and that is Skillshare. If you guys don't know them, they are an online learning platform. You had me at learning platform. With over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and so much more. You can take classes in productivity and time management, social media strategy, which I'm telling you right now, learn about that. Google Analytics, you name it, they've got it. So we have an amazing new offer for you guys. You get two months of unlimited limited access to Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's crazy, actually. Uh, very impressed with that. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash impact. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash impact to start your three months right now. That's Skillshare.com slash impact. They want me to mention that I value lifelong learning, but if you guys are listening to this podcast, you know not only do I value it, I am completely obsessed. That's why I'm always super stoked when we have a partner like Skillshare that that is their mission for existing is to help people learn. I'm way about these guys. So whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or you just want to work on self-development, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. Guys, get after it. You know it. Ideas in equal ideas out. If you want to be learning, you've got to be pushing yourself and Skillshare is perfect for that. And you can get two free months of unlimited access to Skillshare right now for 99 cents. So to sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash impact. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash impact to start your two free months right now. Get those skills and be legendary. Hey everybody, this show is brought to you by our friends at ButcherBox. You know that Lisa and I are totally psychotic about what we eat. We are way concerned about whether something is grass-fed, whether it has ever had antibiotics or any of that stuff. And that is why we're way amped on ButcherBox and use it every day in our own lives because they deliver 100% grass-fed and grass-finished, that's the key part, beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage-bred pork directly to your door on a monthly basis. All of their products are humanely raised and never, ever given antibiotics or hormones. This has been something that has been really effective for Lisa. It's the kind of meat that she can eat, and that's why I trust these guys because we're using them, and that is the key. That That is so big for us is we've tried it. We know that this stuff actually works on somebody that has insanely sensitive digestion. So for all of you listeners, um, because this has been working so well, this partnership, they've got a new offer for us now. It's now $20 off plus free bacon for all Impact Theory listeners. Just go to butcherbox.com, use the code IMPACT, that's I-M-P-A-C-T, at butcherbox.com. Go right now and try it out. This very much has my stamp of approval. And the boxes will come with at least 9 to 11 pounds of meat, which is good for 24 individual servings. And there are five different box types to choose from. You can get all beef, 
beef and chicken, beef and pork, the mix box, and the custom box, which is what I'm all about, and it lets you choose your own cuts. By taking out the middleman and buying direct from a collective of ranches, these guys are able to get the cost down. That's a big deal, especially when you think about the fact that they offer free shipping to the 48 contiguous United States, and the price is just, drumroll please, $129 a month. And again, that's only six bucks a meal. So for six bucks a meal, you can get the highest quality meat, tasty as the day is long. I'm telling you guys, this stuff is good. So go try it right now. There's no commitment. You can cancel easily at any time. I emphasize easily because that's the key. If they make it a pain, it becomes a nightmare. So these guys, they're not trying to trap you. This stuff is good. They want to make sure that you can get in and try it. So head to butcherbox.com right now. Sign up. 20 bucks off plus free bacon. All right, guys. Enjoy and be legendary. You're listening to Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Impact, baby! Everybody, welcome to Impact Theory. Our goal with this show and company is to introduce you to the people and ideas that will help you actually execute on your dreams. All right, today's guest is an extremely accomplished ultra-endurance athlete, best-selling author, and host of one of the biggest podcasts on the planet. And proving that age is really just a number, he began his athletic career in earnest in his 40s after a medical scare that made him realize the importance of living a healthy lifestyle. And what began as an attempt to simply not die became an obsession that saw him completely transform his life. In 2009, after decades of alcohol addiction and just two years after being 50 pounds overweight and sitting on the couch for exercise, at the age of 43, he won stage one of the Ultraman by 10 minutes, a seemingly impossible feat when you realize that the Ultraman is a three-day, 320-mile, double Ironman distance triathlon. To top that accomplishment, he raced the Epic Five, which is five Ironmen on five Hawaiian islands in just over five days. And not long after turning 50, he and his partner were the number one finishing American team in the Otillo Swim Run World Championships, which is a race where you run on land and then swim in the 50-some degree Baltic Sea, transitioning from running to swimming 52 times. And did I mention that he did it when he was 50 years old? Not surprisingly, Men's Health named him one of the 25 fittest men in the world, and he is regularly named to other high-profile annual lists of the most influential people in the health and fitness space. He's been featured on CNN, The New York Times, Forbes, and countless other media outlets for his laundry list of insane accomplishments. So please, help me in welcoming the man whose podcast has been downloaded more than 30 million times. The best-selling author of Finding Ultra, Rich Roll. Dude, it's so good to have you on the show. Excited to talk to you. Man, we met through a, a mutual friend, Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. Researching you was really a lot of fun, and that's one of the ways that I judge who to bring on the show, is am I really going to enjoy researching them? And I'll admit my bias was I thought that you were going to be primarily talking about fitness and nutrition, which obviously is a huge part of it, but there's just so much more there. And the thing that I really found interesting was your relationship to pain. Mm. So I wanted to start there. What is your relationship to pain? My relationship with pain runs deep uh, <laughs> and, and it's complicated. That's uh, fair. On the one hand, uh, I love pain. I love 
trying to push the outer edges of the envelope of what the pain experience is in a physical sense. Um, and it's also been my greatest teacher in terms of things that I've accomplished, but also um, my errant ways as well. Pain is truly the only thing that's ever gotten me to change. Uh, so it's been my growth accelerator as well as my reminder of when I've gone astray. That's what I found so interesting about it is in the one hand you talk about how you, you have to get really comfortable with pain if you want to be able to push yourself to the kinds of extremes that you do, but then that pain is this also really powerful thing that can force you to change. So I want to talk more about that. How have you been able to leverage that? I find that pain often causes people to, um, they go into endurance mode and they just mm -hmm. like endure the pain, but they never actually, um, you use the word leverage. You said, I, I knew if I could leverage this pain, I could really make change. How, what is that mechanism of really grabbing a hold of it and making it into something usable? Um, I think it's learning to embrace it and not being afraid of it. And, you know, for me, it goes all the way back to when I was a young child. I mean, I was a very awkward, insecure kid uh, who had a lot of difficulty um, making friends and, and figuring out what the rules for, for life were. And I was also somebody who was not athletically inclined at all. Um, I was the kid with the eye patch and the headgear, picked last for kickball and all of that. Uh, but the one thing that I was actually fairly okay at was swimming. And when you're good at something when you're a kid and, and you're having difficulty in other areas, that's what you're gonna gravitate towards. And, and that's what I did. Uh, and I learned um, quickly that I was not the most talented swimmer. Um, but in my early teens, I realized that if I was willing to put in the work and do certain things that other people weren't willing to do, that I could bridge that talent gap and pick up a lot of white space. Uh, and that meant getting comfortable with pain, to bring it back to your question. So throughout my teens, I would, I would routinely throw down crazy sets in the pool that no one was willing to do. And I was doing it because I knew I wasn't the most talented. And if I wanted to compete at the highest level, that's what would be required. I love that. And by the way, it was so cool that you shared the photos of you with the eye patch and stuff in your book. I thought that was mm -hmm. really neat. Um, how did you go in school? You're being bullied at one point. Um, you see this opportunity to get better. What do you start telling yourself or doing to be able to make pain your friend, to push past it? so that you could begin to you know, beat other people at something. It's almost like a deep meditative state. And it's a very one-to-one you know, one -one relationship between the pain that you're willing to suffer and the progress that you're going to make. And I saw swimming as my way forward and my way out. Uh, and so what that meant was the more that I was willing to suffer, the more likely it would be that I was going to create a positive trajectory out of this painful scenario that I found myself in. And were you vision boarding things? I mean, how were you staying so tenaciously onto your goals that you pushed that hard? Well, swimming is, is, a, is a sport in which it's so individualistic and it lends itself to setting very concrete goals. Uh, and those goals for me were time standards. Oh, I want to qualify for U.S. nationals. Oh, I want to qualify for Olympic trials. 
So I would have a vision board where I'd, I'd literally write those times out in very large block letters with a magic marker and put them above my bed or on my mirror uh, in my bathroom and constantly reminding myself and reinforcing myself about why I was doing what I was doing. So I don't know that I would have called it a vision board at that time. It was more, um, but it was, it was more of a practice of, of um, engaging in, in, in aspiration. Like I had pictures of all my heroes and all of that. And I think uh, intuitively I was looking towards a better life for myself. Um, when you went through getting sober, the amount of change that was staring you in the face was obviously just Herculean. Um, how did you leverage the pain in that moment to make such profound change? Fear. You know, I was somebody who, who uh, by the time I was 18 years old, uh, was an individual who had a lot of promise. And there was a lot of people very invested in my future. I was graduate, I graduated top of my class in high school. I got into all the colleges I applied to, all the Ivy Leagues. I was a top-ranked swimmer, um, competing at the very highest level, world-ranked, the whole deal. Uh, and so my future looked very bright. And then alcohol got introduced to my life, and it was a very progressive uh, decline in my aspirations. And at the very end, I was a daily drinker. I was drinking vodka tonics in the shower in the morning and hiding drinks throughout the day and you know, ending up in blackouts and more than you know, my fair share of incomprehensible, you know, demoralizing situations. Uh, and I burned every bridge that I had. Uh, I was virtually unemployable at the end. I was sleeping on a bare mattress in a crappy apartment with no furniture in it. Uh, my options were, had been eliminated. My life was eviscerated. My family didn't want anything to do with me. I'd lost my friendships. I had no way forward. Uh, and I just continued to dig that hole deeper and deeper and deeper until one day I had that moment that you hear with people who are in recovery, that, that moment of clarity where I realized I just couldn't live this way any longer. My elevator had you know, gone down to the bottom floor and, uh, and, the, and, and I met my pain threshold, you know, back to the, 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 this thesis around pain. Like I had um, reached a point where I could no longer tolerate the pain of my current situation. And the fear, the pain associated with the fear of change was eclipsed by the pain that I was feeling in that moment. And that's what motivated me to change. I went to a treatment center uh, where I lived for 100 days, which is a pretty long time to be in a rehab center. And I did that because I knew if I didn't get this right, that my life was done, you know? And so I took that opportunity seriously. I recognized that despite the fact that I think I'm a smart guy, my best thinking had me uh, literally institutionalized. And that if I couldn't get a grasp on how to live and develop some new skills and, and a new toolbox for how to approach my life, that, um, that I was gonna end up in jail or I was gonna kill somebody else or myself. Yeah, so few people make it to the other side of that. The really interesting part for me is the lessons that you learn in that about pain because they come to your aid again in the next phase of your life where now you're post um, the drinking and you're overweight and you're walking up the flight of stairs and you think you're having the heart attack and you said that was the moment where you said, and I remember you using your hands like, I knew if I could, you didn't say
When it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools, Tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. But if I could leverage this pain that I could make the same kind of change that I had made mm -hmm. in um, going through rehab, what what is that like? 
the thinking process or the, the machinations that you go through when you have a big change in front of you now, you've done it multiple times. Is it goal setting? Is it um, imagining the world that you'll have if you don't do it? Like, what is that process for you? That's a great question. Um, I think for me, it's really anchored in awareness and presence. You know, on that staircase, I was able to really understand that I was having an important moment in my life. And the reason I was able to recognize that was because I had that moment so many years prior when I decided to get sober. It was a very specific moment in time where I made a decision and that decision set in motion a series of events that changed my life so completely that I couldn't imagine my life had I not made that decision. Um, and I was able to see and understand and recognize that once again, I was being visited by just such an opportunity. It was something that I could feel inside of me. And, and I think it's because I'd learned to be present, to be aware of myself and my environment. Um, and one thing I always talk about is the fact that, you know, I, I'm not anything special with this. I think we're all visited with moments like this in our life, that if we can develop that, uh, the wherewithal to have the awareness around the circumstances surrounding whatever event it is that you can leverage that crack you know in the door to make some significant changes um, and I'm somebody who and I've heard you talk about this before I'm somebody who who when I make a decision like that's it you know I can I can step over that line or walk through that door and not look back like I can be determined, be focused enough and diligent enough and dedicated enough to leverage those moments when I make that decision to really make significant changes that, that stick and stand the test of time. Now, I have techniques and tactics that I use to be able to pull that off. Do you have similar things? Like, how do you make sure that in those moments of weakness that you actually keep going? I mean, for me, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, it's about making a decision. And when I make a decision, that decision is done. I've done it with diet, I've done it with fitness, I've done it with my profession. And the more simple I can make it, then the easier it is to adhere. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, now, going into um, leveraging the pain and making it something that allows you to do these extraordinary um, things physically, how do you shift your thinking about what the, the pain is? And I know that you said you agree with Goggins that when your brain taps out, you're really only about 40% mm -hmm. of the way there. How do you tap into that other 60%? Experience. Uh, you know, we're so conditioned, Tom, to avoid pain. Every message that we see, every billboard we see, every advertisement that we're exposed to is telling us that happiness can be, can be purchased through comfort, through luxury, through ease. Um, and that's sort of implicit in that is that that's how we find happiness. And I can tell you that I'm happiest and most alive when I'm butting up against the outer edges of my pain threshold. And I'm not afraid of it. Uh, and so when I start to feel that sensation, rather than shirk away from it, I realize that's an opportunity to um, experience uh, a heightened sense of myself and my environment, to, to really um, be in a position where everything else falls away and it's just you and your ability to take one step forward. There's a purity to that that, again, is an, another great 
teacher. And so in terms of techniques, um, I've just learned through experience that just like David Goggins says, when the signals that you're receiving are telling you to stop, that you don't necessarily have to pay attention to that, that, that you are capable of so much more. Uh, if you can develop the acuity, the presence of mind and the wherewithal to then take that next step. And when you're on the other side of it to realize you're still okay and you can take another step and a whole, your, your horizon extends and you realize that there's a whole world of potential and possibility available to you that you weren't previously aware of. What is up, Impactivists? Hope you guys are enjoying this episode. Wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and then we'll get right back to it. Remember, our sponsors are all hand chosen. We love these guys and think that they have something incredibly valuable to offer. So be sure to give a listen. A lot of these guys are doing special offers just for you. All right, I wanna know, how many times have you asked yourself, what's for dinner? I absolutely hate that question. It is such a waste of time to try to figure this out, but what you eat makes a huge difference. Whole30 author Melissa Hartwig and former Health Theory guest, I might add, has the solution. The Whole30 Slow Cooker Cookbook. It offers 150 delicious, no-fuss recipes, which is huge for me. Over half of these recipes can be whipped up in an Instant Pot, which is amazing. The Whole30 is a 30-day lifestyle reset where you eliminate certain foods from your diet that are known to be inflammatory for a lot of people, things like dairy, gluten, refined sugar, alcohol, beans, etc. But the key to the Whole30 is you're figuring out what actually works for you. So once you've eliminated all this stuff, then you're going to slowly, item by item, reintroduce it and figure out exactly what works for you. In doing so, many people have experienced not only weight loss, but increased energy, better sleep, and a whole host of other benefits. And after the reintroduction period, you're going to be essentially eating the same way that you ate before as freely as you ever did, but now you can have a much greater awareness of what foods affect your body and how. The Whole30 exploded onto the scene nearly five years ago and has since sold two million books and changed just as many lives. Check out thewhole30.com. That's T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-3 zero.com for more information on the program and where to order the cookbook. You can also order the cookbook from our link in the show notes. Enjoy and be legendary. All right. So I know it's happening in the mind of the viewer listener right now. They're discounting you because you're extraordinary. They forget that you said, remember, I was a kid with the eye patch. I did not take to anything naturally athletically that you know, swimming was something I had to outwork people, they're forgetting all of that already. And they're yeah. just thinking, well, it's rich roll, he's lean, he's shredded, he's been doing this for a long time, of course he can do it. But what I wanna talk about is take it out of the realm of the physical. The most interesting thing that I've heard about you, from you, is what happened when you wrote Finding Ultra and you thought, all right, this is it, done being a lawyer, here we go, universe, give me some good stuff. <laughs> and then, it didn't quite play out like that. Yeah, no, it definitely didn't. I've been a corporate lawyer for many years. I was a corporate lawyer during the period of time that I wrote that book. Uh, and the book was successful. And yet in the wake of that book being published and doing well, um, the phone didn't ring. And I had uh, let my bar, bar membership lapse. And here I was, you know, ready and available to speak to the world and, and uh, be of service, and the opportunities just weren't flowing. It was a very difficult time, and it, it, it tested me um, to my core. I mean, we almost lost our house. I had cars repossessed. We couldn't pay our bills. It was very emasculating. 
But I think the, the alchemy of going through that has been something that now allows me to speak from a place of, of, of greater truth and, and depth with what I do. So I'm, I'm grateful for the experience. I love that, man. And in hearing you say that, I can tell that you really mean that. But I want to um, paint the picture a little bit more for people. The part that really hit me was when you said that you guys couldn't even pay for your trash to yeah. be taken away. And they could, that's when I realized, okay, wait, this wasn't like, a, oh, things are tight. Mm -hmm. uh, this was like, we can't pay $60 for our garbage to be picked up. And then they come and like take the trash cans away. It was the worst. I mean, it's that, so embarrassing. I, it, 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 it was so incredibly emasculating. Yeah, we went through periods where we literally barely had enough money to put food on the table and we couldn't pay our we couldn't pay to have our, our trash removed and they did. They came and they took the bins. And then we were compelled to then put our trash in the back of our crappy uh, beat up minivan and find an empty dumpster. To, do, to, to, dump the, to dump the garbage, it was, it was not easy, man. Not what do you teach your kids? So like bringing this all back to looking at you is like this insanely empowering example of how to use pain in all of its forms. Like what do you teach your kids about pain? Because they watched that happen, right? And they watched you push through and obviously everybody knows you on the other side of this already. Yeah. So what do you teach them? Like how do you help them assign meaning to that hard time that you know, not being broken and continuing to push? Yeah, it's a great question. So I have four kids and it's something that was very challenging as a parent. And again, I keep using the word emasculating as somebody who, who you know, is supposed to be the head of household and, and take care of these sorts of things. To be unable to do that um, was incredibly difficult. Uh, I've spoken to my boys at length about this and as difficult as it was, it was an incredible, learning experience for them to understand that the world doesn't owe you anything. Uh, it quashed any sense of Gen Z entitlement, <laughs> you know, or anything like that. And um, I think it taught them the value of, of really what it means to pursue a dream and what is required to see it through. I think it would have split up a lot of marriages or families, um, but we treated it like a board game. We're like, okay, how are we gonna do this? Like, what's the plan? Let's do it and let's try to have fun with it and sort of deplete all of the, or, or sort of drain all of the anxiety and tension and fear that can surround it. And when you do that, you realize like, we're gonna be okay. That's really extraordinary, and knowing how stressful that must have been, it, yeah, it's, there are so many powerful lessons to be learned in there. One thing I'd love for you to give to listeners right now is, what did you do? Like, what does, and I'm, now I'm gonna conflate a couple mm -hmm. things that maybe are better um, separate, but you've talked about this God of your own making, and then, so you said your faith was being tested in this time. So you didn't sell out, you didn't like do some cheap thing. And this is what years, we're back in like what, 2000? Like 2000, this was like 2012 through 2014, 15. Yeah, 16. so it's not like going into podcasting was like an obvious yeah. answer yeah. to your problems back then. So how did you stay true to the vision when it, it just, I mean, you're literally getting picked apart down to not being able to pay for your mm -hmm. garbage? 
I worked my ass off and exploited every opportunity that presented itself. Uh, I did a ton of speaking gigs for free. I did anything that was asked of me, anyone who would want to talk to me. But it was really just a function of showing up, working my ass off, saying yes, and having a strong core belief that I was on the right path. Mm. Yeah, it, I love it. And being able to keep pushing and that's the part that i really hope people hear is that it's not just sitting back and waiting for something to happen it's no, definitely not you know it's trying everything you can to like really make something but being true to that mission and knowing what you're trying to bring to the world um, i think that's really extraordinary you mentioned really early on this notion of self-awareness and i want to talk more about that so one to have the kind of faith that you had and to keep pushing obviously you have to have a lot of awareness around who you are who you want to be what you want to bring to the world but in going and getting uh, sober and then chasing that with the kinds of physical activities that you do, which are, um, I always want to say, The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, which is mm -hmm. a great film, all about sort of the way that you can get lost in your head as a runner. What are some things, going through sobriety, um, doing the distance that you've learned about yourself that are like encapsulatable? That's a great question. Uh, I think to answer that, I would preface it by saying that I was somebody who, who, for as long as I could remember, was pursuing the traditional notion of the American dream. Get into the best college, study hard, get into the best grad school, get the best job, show up early, stay late, partnership track, all of that, right? But that I'd never really stopped to think, what is important to me? Like, who am I? And like, what am I here to express? And I didn't have answers for those questions. All I knew was that I felt like I was living someone else's life. And so my exploration in sobriety and ultimately then in ultra-endurance sports was really my personal method of trying to resolve these issues for myself, to try to learn who I am. I love that. What advice do you have for people that are living somebody else's life? How do you help them get awareness of that, and then B, once they realize, okay, I'm living somebody else's life and this is why, mm -hmm. how do you help them figure out what they really want for themselves? It's an inside job. You know, one thing you talk about all the time is goals, setting goals and being very clear about what those goals are. I think that, that most people set the wrong goals for themselves and it's because they're disconnected from who they are. They are living someone else's life or they're living a life that's so disconnected from who they are, it becomes very difficult to set the right goal. So I think in order to reconcile that, you have to look inward, you know, and that can be different for everybody. That can mean a consistent meditation practice, that can mean therapy, that can mean, uh, you know, starting to do yoga, it can mean many, many things. But I think there's no uh, end run around the very difficult, long process of really trying to be honest with yourself about who you are, what's important to you, what you care about, and then beginning to breathe life into those things, as frivolous as they may seem, to bring expression to the things that, that you do care about, that, that, that get you excited in the morning. And that doesn't mean you quit your job tomorrow, but the more you can uh, foster something that has personal importance to you, uh, I think that's the first step in trying to um, move past 
whatever it is that's holding you back, whether it's professionally or, or personally, uh, to being a more integrated, authentic version of yourself. Yeah, even hearing you talk about that, it really sounds like that inward reflection has a spiritual edge to it. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Um, yeah. You talked about in when you were first going through rehab that the counselor asked you, are you a spiritual being having a human experience or a human having a spiritual experience? Uh -huh. And I literally was like, what? I don't understand. And then you said, and I said, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. So walk us through because i'm like i get some context from having mm -hmm. you know seen you talk about this a lot but like help me make that like something i can internalize so yeah when i was in rehab i was asked that very question i had the same reaction that that you had i i, I don't understand what the question means let alone have any ability to answer it but i've, I've since come to believe and and tr truly believe that we're all spiritual beings having a human experience and I don't mean that in any specific dogmatic sense, certainly not in any specific religious sense, but I do, what I do mean by that is that uh, there's more to this experience of being human than meets the eye. There's more to it than we can possibly comprehend. Uh, and I think there are energies available to us if we open our perspective and become more curious about the world than I think we're programmed to be. So for me, that doesn't, I don't define that by any particular uh, specific spiritual approach, other than that it provides my experience as a human being with a little bit more awe and wonder than I used to have. That's awesome. Talk to me about letting go. That's like this really important through line in your life that's resulted in this just incredibly beautiful stuff happening to you. How, like as a type A control freak, yeah. how does one go about letting go? It's scary, right? Terrifying. Yeah. Actually, wait, I, I don't experience it as fear. I experience it as suboptimal. So now maybe you can really help me because that's the truth. Right. I fear if I let go, it just won't be done it's well. an assault. It's an assault to your worldview. Definitely. Right? And I relate to that, you know, as somebody who, as I explained earlier, as a young person, I did the math and I realized if I outwork everybody in the pool, uh, I can be as good as anyone else. If I outwork everyone in the classroom, I can graduate at the top of my class and get into Stanford and Harvard. And so my worldview was informed through the prism of those experiences, which taught me self-reliance is everything. Don't, uh, don't expect anybody to do anything for you. I'm the only one who can get it done. And if you just buckle down and go the extra mile, you will solve the problem and you will make your way in the world. Every success that I had had in my life was a result of my self-will. Why won't my self-will solve this problem? And that hole got deeper and deeper and deeper until I was a completely broken human being. And I had to raise my hand and ask for help for the first time. And that forced me to start to think about letting go and surrender in a new way. And I've come to believe and understand that surrender is a very powerful, courageous thing to do. It's okay to say you don't know. It's okay to ask for help. I had to let go of this operating system and step into uh, a sense that perhaps there's a better way, a greater way that involves me saying, I can't control this, which was terrifying for me. But it is in that process that I allowed people to help me, 
that I became open to a new way of approaching my life that has made me stronger, more powerful, more capable, and more successful than I ever thought that I ever would be. If you had to define in a single sentence what it means to be integrated, how would you define it? When you're, when you're, when you're clear on your values and your actions align with your values. That's very clear. That, that's something that's really interesting. As you were talking about it, I had an intuitive understanding of like what that would be in my language, uh-huh. um, which I would say for me it's what are the things that you want and then are you actually acting in accordance with that? So like here are the things that are my goals, but they're my goals because it's something that I intrinsically But why do you want what you want? And if you can't answer that question, then you're not integrated. That's interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> it goes back to what I was saying before about people picking the wrong goals for themselves because they're not integrated. They don't know what their values are. They're not clear on what's important to them. They're not really in contact with their internal muse. You know, one of the examples I always give is this idea that we all have some unique song here to sing on planet Earth. Like, I, I believe that. And that doesn't mean that everybody can be LeBron James or that you have some insane talent, but I believe that there is a unique blueprint to every individual, and our job here, uh, you know, in our short time on this planet, I know you're gonna live forever, but like, <laughs> you know, for everybody else, uh, is to discover what that is, and to work towards expressing that to the best of your ability. You know, we all have a unique song, and I think most people, to echo the words of Henry David Thoreau, are, are, are leading lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. And I find that tragic. And so if there's anything that, um, that, that my work is about, it's about helping people become cognizant of that and to take action so that they don't become that person leading a life of quiet desperation, which I think... Uh, I don't know, I wouldn't want to say most people, but a lot of people are. And, and I find that heartbreaking. I love that you opened your book with that quote. Mm-hmm. I, uh, that's one of the quotes that I've probably repeated to myself more times than just about anything else because I've had moments in my life that had been just quiet, agonizing desperation. And so I know what that feels like. I, I love that notion of there's like interference and that you have to clear it out to be able to hear your intuition. Like what, when you're clearing that out, what is the, um, the thing that will then happen for that person that will allow them to begin to get integrated like that? Clarity, right? If you're, if you're eating garbage food, if you're eating fast food and you're not sleeping and you're, you know, drinking five cups of coffee a day or whatever it is you're doing and you're stressed out about your job and you're just living moment to moment to get through the day, do you think that you're going to be in touch with whatever is really important to you? You're just trying to, like, you know, hit the pillow at night and pay the bills. And that's most people. And if you give people a minute to pause and reflect and you can clear all of that out and feed them healthy food and give them a good night's rest and ask them questions that most people aren't asking them and they're certainly not asking them themselves, I think that's the process that begins or sets in motion the, the gears in the mind and in the emotional body to begin to bring all of that to the surface. What are those questions? <laughs> now, like, I'm yeah. on pins and needles over here. Do you have like anything that you start 
people on to get that, the juices flowing to get the ball rolling? Well, it can be as easy as, you know, what's your major malfunction right now? What's the thing that keeps you up at night? Who do you resent the most? What are you afraid of? What do you want to achieve? What's in, what's in, what do you think is in your way? You know, I think just by asking people questions and, 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 and then holding a vision for that better life for them to say, I believe in you. I'm not here to tell you what to do or how to live your life, but I believe in your greatest expression and I'm going to hold space for you. To give people permission to be honest, to be vulnerable. We're so afraid of being vulnerable. We're terrified of being honest. We're so used to being judged and being held to a standard that society sets for us that we don't give ourselves permission to even ask these questions, let alone answer them. Dude, you should create like a downloadable PDF yeah. or something like that. <laughs> like that yeah. simple questions, but for somebody that doesn't have like a place to start, that's really, really powerful. All right, before I ask my last question, tell these guys where they can find you online. Uh, I'm easy to find online, richroll.com, the Rich Roll podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and at Rich Roll on Twitter and Instagram. All right, my last question. What is the impact that you want to have on the world? It's a great question. Um, I would like to move the needle in a substantial and long-lasting way for as many people as possible with respect to not only how they think about and practice habits around food and fitness and lifestyle, but to really catalyze people to understand that, like I said earlier, all of us, every single one of us, is capable of so much more than we allow ourselves to believe. And I know that's a theme on your show. David Goggins talked about it. James Lawrence talked about it. These are friends of mine who have touched the outer realms of endurance, and ultra-endurance teaches you that. It's easy to say, I'm an outlier, but I'm not. I really am not anything special. I had the courage and the audacity to pursue these things, and in so doing, I have realized that human potential is malleable. We're all sitting atop massive reservoirs of untapped potential and ability. And my dream and my goal and everything that I do is oriented around getting people to not only understand that, but connect with that and begin to practice that, to manifest that in their own specific way. I love that more than you so, could know, Rich. Thank you, thank you so thank much you. for coming on the show. That was you. awesome. Cool. Guys, when I say that you are going to want to dive into this man's world, you will not regret it. This is one of the most extraordinary transformation artists I've ever come across. There is something about people that fall into the ultra-endurance category. They've tapped into something in their mind. It's not like they start out as incredible athletes. In fact, I think of all the people that we've had on, none of them have started as extraordinary athletes. All of them have found it later. All of them have found it through hard work. All of them have had to realize that if they want to become something extraordinary, then they've got to put in the work. They've got to just get in there and hustle. But what I love about Rich is that sense of spiritual transformation, as well as just the physical, of really using that time to figure out who he is, what he wants, and the values. The fact that he lives by a code, I'm telling you, rewind this, play it again. He talks about values. You have to know your values. What are your values? What do you really want? And his understanding that those things that you want, they have to be tied to your values. 
Okay, that to me, once you understand that, once you understand that that has to be at the core of your existence, then everything else gets easier. But first you have to know who you are, you have to know what you want, you have to know what you believe and what you're going to live in accordance with. That's so huge, it drips all over everything that he talks about. Subscribe to his podcast, it's absolutely amazing. But even more amazing than that are the interviews that he gives. So make sure you track those down as well. You will be blown away. Let them change you. Please take action on the stuff that he's talking about. It really will change you and it will change you forever. All right, guys, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Rich, thank you again, Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.